0: It is great to see our young people leaving for their worship. In fact, as they leave, let's pray. I will pray for them first. Um, Let me encourage you to pray for yourself that God would give you ears that would be willing to hear even this morning. Let us pray. Father, as our young children leave, we rejoice in the blessing that they are to us. Father, we ask that you would be with them as they go to worship you now. Lead and guide them. Thanks for those who have prepared for them. And Father, even as we come together, we admit that our lives are full and our lives are stressful. There are needs and demands and issues that swarm around us, and they often take our minds captive. Father, I pray that we would be able for a few minutes to slow down and be still. Give us grace to listen for ourselves and not for the person beside us or someone at work or school. Father, do your good work in the hearts of each of us by the power of your spirit. Give us ears to hear today. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray, amen. In August of 1994, a Korean airliner skidded off a runway and ended up hitting a barricade. All the passengers were able to escape, but minutes later, the plane exploded into flames. The ensuing investigation revealed there in Korea where it was that this near tragedy had a very interesting reason for happening. The pilot and co-pilot had literally gotten into a fistfight over who was in charge of the landing controls. Both wanted control and would not release control to the other. Friends, we're ending soon our sermon series R&R. Our first R has been constant every week, remain or abide in Christ. And then our second R's have come in as we have sought to understand better how we can grow and mature as the children of God. The R today is releasing. How do you do with releasing? I'm talking about releasing control. How do you do with that one? Releasing control. Oh man, I can relate to this because I love control. We all do. Control is everywhere. We hear about it. You might talk about control freaks or being out of control, or we might say, I have everything under control. The most famous control is the remote Much of our control, though, is more subtle. We simply think we know how every issue should be resolved. We know what the other person should do. We even know what God should do. You know, it's even on our computers. There is a control button. If you push control S, it saves. If you push control C, it copies. If you push control V it pastes, and on and on it goes. Midweek, I was working on this message one morning and I had two hours uninterrupted and I had made really good progress. And all of a sudden the screen popped up. I don't know what I touched. It was probably some control something. And so I just pushed a button and boom, it disappeared. It was gone. I went back to where it was two hours before, and so I tried to reopen. That didn't fix it. So I did what I always do. I go out into the office and I say, is anyone young enough to know how to fix this? (laughs) Nobody could fix it. It was gone. I wanted control. I wanted to fix it, but I could not. Today we're going to deal with a story that many of you know, it's about two sisters. And the story really pounds me. It's like God's word screaming in my ear that relationship is more important than doing or busyness, accomplishment. And it's certainly more important than controlling. We're talking about being and doing. And I'm not gonna approach these as being opposite of each other because I don't believe they are, but we will see that being is essential to our doing let me set the context for you. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He knew that he was going to be facing the cross and he stops by the home of friends in the little village of Bethany, just a couple miles from his destination. Now, why do you go to the home of a friend? You go for a relationship. Jesus did not go out of duty or obligation or to get a meal. He loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And Martha's home must have been a place of refuge for him. And here he is facing, in the next week, ridicule, abuse, torture, slander, abandonment, and death. And he goes to the home of a friend. And this is what the Word of God says, as it's found in Luke 10, beginning with verse 38. Here, the Word of God. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way... Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Okay. So what? An interesting little story about two sisters and Jesus. What does it mean for you and me? with whom do you identify most? With Martha or Mary? Hold that question for just a minute while I describe three things to you. First, our world, and then Martha, and then Mary. First, our world. Simply put, our world is noisy, and we are busy, and we are tired. The world of Martha and Mary's day would have been just as noisy only in different ways. We have all of our cares and concerns screaming at us every day for attention. We have bills to pay and issues of health and relationships and work and on and on the list goes. Some of us are just wound too tightly. And I'm going to start there with me. Um, uh, a couple months ago, Amy Berry, the wife of Chuck came into our, our staff meeting and she was going to teach us about some relaxation and breathing exercises. Now I am a skeptic and I'm also paranoid when I'm in front of everyone like this and everybody's behind me facing Amy up here and she's teaching us how to breathe. And you breathe in and you breathe out. And I believe that behind me, nobody's doing it. They're all watching to see if I'm doing it. And (laughs) so I'm up there wondering about this, but I'm trying my best to be a team player and do it. Now I have a watch that's smart and it tells me how many beats my heart has each minute. During that 10 minute exercise, my heartbeat went down 10 beats per minute. Now that says something about me. Says something maybe about what Amy's teaching, but it certainly says that I'm wound too tightly and I need to learn to slow down. But so often we don't know how to slow down and just enjoy people. We don't know how to just be with our family and friends. But even worse, we don't know how to be with Jesus. The world's noisy. You and I are busy. The bottom line is that I do not end up sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary. What about you? Well, let's look at Martha. She was an amazing lady. She was likely the eldest child in the family. And Luke tells us that Martha opened her home to Jesus. Property ownership in that day was a complicated issue. Most property would go to the firstborn son at the death of the patriarch of the family. And we don't know how Martha um, came to possess the home, but she did. And we do know that she invited Jesus in. And with an invitation in that day came the responsibility to provide and care for the physical needs of those invited in. Martha was obviously serious and hardworking, and she was going to prepare a good meal for her guest. She would not go to Publix or Costco to buy some meat and refrigerated food. Some of you think that Fixing a meal today takes too much time and a meal most places in the world is so much more complicated than it is here. When we moved to Mexico years ago, Rita would go regularly to the open air markets where she would get her vegetables and fruit and that was great and wonderful, but that's also where you would get the chickens, which would be hanging from the hooks and the fish that was laid out every day. And that is how much of the world still lives, that is, if they can afford it. Obviously Martha could afford it, that does not appear to be her concern. But then just imagine the time and the work of Martha preparing a meal for many, for Jesus was not traveling by himself. He had his disciples with him and they certainly would have been part of the invitation that Martha gave. Martha was busy with the preparations and she became worried and preoccupied about everything we're told, seeing something that needed to be done and not able to rest until it was done. She was not able to slow down and enjoy others. Martha invites Jesus in and then busies herself with all the preparations, good things. She is taking care of Jesus and others. She's on steroids, working, working, working. And as she works, her attitude gets worse and worse because her sister is not helping. Let's look at Mary. Mary is simply sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary takes the position of a disciple, a learner. She is not preoccupied with preparations. She is being still. Mary was the one who could stop and she could shut out the concerns of the world. She was more single hearted and could let something go undone. She was okay with just resting and she knew how to be with Jesus. Now, Marys are blessed by Marthas, but they're often lonely around them because there's not enough time for relationship. With whom do you identify the most? Are you a Martha or a Mary? I relate more to the Martha. If you do not know which one you are, you're not a Martha. You are probably a Mary. Well, what's the big deal with the story. We've heard the story of Martha and Mary many times, perhaps, but sometimes we've scratched our heads at the meaning of it. Let me ask it this way. Are you better at doing or being in reality? We need both. Let's go a little bit more in depth with Martha and with Mary back to Martha. Martha invites Jesus in and is serving the Lord. What's the matter with that? Verse 38, Martha opened her home to him, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha invited in, Jesus in, but then did not stop to spend time with him. Martha was the worker bee. Martha loved Jesus. Jesus loved Martha and he says, Martha, Martha. In the culture of the day, when a name was used in this manner, it always was a term of endearment. You remember David saying at the death of his son, Absalom, Absalom. And then Jesus, as he overlooks the city, out of love and compassion, says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. For so long, I did not understand why Martha is being lightly rebuked here. She's working hard. She really loved Jesus. She just did not get the value and importance of relationship. Relationship always means slowing down. Some criticize Martha's hard work and service, but that can't be the case here. Just prior to this passage in Luke 10, Jesus sent out the 72 to work and minister in his name. And Jesus says at the beginning of Luke 10, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And then immediately prior to Martha and Mary is the story of the good Samaritan. And the true neighbor was the one who had mercy on the one who was half dead. The true neighbor worked and served. Jesus told the teacher of the law, go and do likewise. Certainly work and service are involved in the Christian life. There is a call to love others in concrete practical ways. And here we have Martha being a neighbor to Jesus and preparing a meal for him. And yet she is rebuked. What's the deal? Martha is not admonished for working, but rather for heart and for attitude, for trying to control. Lord, don't you care? Tell my sister to help me. Martha cannot slow down and be with Jesus. She has become anxious and distracted over all the noise in her life. She becomes critical about a loved one, Mary, who was more about relationship. Martha had expectations for Mary and Mary did not meet them. Martha had expectations for Jesus and Jesus did not meet them. Martha was ticked at Mary and she was probably ticked at Jesus for not fixing the situation. Can you relate? I can. We know Martha loved Jesus and yet she did not know how to just be with him. She had to be doing. Some have called this the Martha syndrome, never slowing down, seeking to control, taking on every task and responsibility that comes along. A problem in our culture is that the culture values the Martha syndrome. The one who just works and works and works. We could tell someone that we work too hard and we would be validated and maybe even praised for that. But Jesus would be looking at us and saying, Martha, Martha, or Joe, Joe. You perhaps have seen the bumper sticker that I've seen every now and then that says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. Some of us have bought into that mentality. We have been saved by the beautiful, free grace of the Lord Jesus. But then we set about working ourselves ragged, perhaps trying somehow to improve our status with God the Father. That is what this story is about. Jesus wants us, not just our labor for his kingdom. He wants our hearts, our attention our focus. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Martha looked busy, but she was missing relationship. Jesus is not condemning work here, but Jesus wants to get to Martha's heart motivation and why she is so stressed out. Martha was seeking to control. For Martha, she knew the situation and it Was for her sister to get off of her backside and start working. We know, don't we, what others are to do. Can you relate? I can. What's going on in your life right now about which you are dismayed with the timing and perhaps you think there's only one way it should work out. And that does not seem to be happening. It seems that I often have one or two of those situations going on in my life. And when that happens, I often get busier like Martha, trying to produce some outcome, or I might say hurtful words when in reality, I may need to become quieter and sit at the feet of Jesus waiting on him. Are you a controlling person? What would others say about that? What about your role as a leader or boss or even a parent? Do you lead or do you try to control? Now leaders must lead, but you can lead without controlling. The controlling person often becomes a critical person. Personally, are you more notorious for your zeal to be right and win an argument than you are for your commitment to deal kindly with others? Listen to that one again. Are you more notorious for your zeal to be right or win an argument than you are for your commitment to deal kindly with others? Think about that one. Back to Mary. Isn't Mary just being lazy? She's not even helping her sister. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Mary is sitting and listening. Mary was a woman and should not even have been at the feet of Jesus being taught. That was taboo in her culture. A woman could own property, yes, but a woman was not allowed to be taught by a rabbi, a teacher. But Jesus, as normal, turns everything upside down, and Mary is releasing control and resting, learning, What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Mary, we see often was at the feet of Jesus. John 11, at the death of Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, Jesus comes and John records in John 11, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was trusting. Interestingly, Martha had just a few minutes or a few hours before approached Jesus, before Mary comes, and we find Martha making the very same statement, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha and Mary both had a trusting relationship with Jesus. John 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead here, a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served, surprise, surprise, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure, expensive perfume. She poured it on the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary had a singular focus. Mary had trust. It's very difficult for us to live a merry life in a Martha world the culture we live in, even the church culture generally does not get excited about a Mary lifestyle. We're usually about Martha busyness and hard work. What keeps us from spending time with the Lord? Most of us would say busyness, but the truth is we have time for that which we truly value. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus and learns because she values the relationship, the friendship. We're not told that Mary never worked or that she was lazy, but she did slow down and allowed her heart to be nurtured and it shows. It shows in the life of Johnny Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic from her teen years, now getting up in age, and she was asked what she most wanted when she got to heaven, and she did not say to run or for a new body, she resolutely replied, Oh, I can't wait until I get a new heart, one not prone to sin and selfishness. That is being. Can you imagine having a heart that does not long to control, that trusts, that releases? In contrast to the Martha syndrome of busyness, sitting at the feet of Jesus is the Mary solution. What about you? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus? What does it mean to sit at his feet? Take that situation right now in your life. You know exactly how it should end and what the other person or the other people should do. You and I even know what God should do, we think. But you know what? God is God, and we are not. As right and exact as I know an outcome should be, I am called to release control and to trust, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus means relationship, and relationships take time. Sitting at the feet of Jesus implies trust, the opposite of control. Do you believe in your situation that Jesus is going to show up? Do you believe that Jesus is sufficient for your situation? Is Jesus sufficient for Orangewood Church? In all these, the resounding answer is yes, yes, yes. When I worry, and it is a besetting sin that can consume me, I'm listening to the noise and thinking that Jesus can't handle it. And he says to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you right now. Many of you need to know that Jesus really cares for you and your situation. Sit at his feet. That's where you're going to hear from him. And by the grace of the Lord Jesus, every person here is invited to sit at the feet of Jesus. There's no prohibition against any age or gender. Sit and trust and release control. We're called to be disciples. Orangewood stated vision is disciples advancing Christ's kingdom. You're called to be active In worship and community and service. With Martha and Mary, you see those things working out. And if you blend those two together, Martha and Mary, it's a beautiful thing. As the church, we need Martha's who are developing a heart like Mary. And we need Mary's who are learning to serve others like Martha. We must be disciples, sitting at the feet of Jesus, which means listening. Sitting at the feet of Jesus means releasing control. And that takes humility and submission. Sitting at the feet of Jesus means worship and devotion. It means being empowered to serve well. When you join the church or any church, you take a vow saying that you will support the worship and work of the church to the best of your ability. How do you do that? You support the worship and work by worshiping and working, by being and doing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is the only thing that sets the context and gives the energy and the motivation for serving and working. As you know, all members here are assigned um, serving in the nursery and men are assigned chair breakdown. We often say nursery duty and chair duty, but that's probably not the best word to describe it. A friend heading down the hallway to serve in the nursery one morning was asked by a lady, where are you headed? And he said, to nursery duty. And she replied very appropriately, something, that, something along the lines that, hey, it's a joyful service to give to our children and young families so they can be here. Our serving is all in how we approach it. Even the chairs, the breakdown, can be a joyful service, working together, knowing that we have facilitated the worshiping together of the body of Christ. And it's even more joyful when more people show up. (laughs) And you know what? You do not have to be assigned to serve that week for you to show up. If you're standing around and talking, um, and you see there's a need jump in. Do you know that you are gifted and you are called to serve in the bulletin? You will often find ways to serve this week. There's a blurb for faith and finance and they are in need. It's a 10 week faith based personal money management course geared toward training the working poor. It's an hour and a half once a week for 10 weeks. Greg and Louise Holzhauer sitting up here are looking for some who will serve as allies. You don't have to be an expert. Rather, men and especially women this year are needed to come alongside the participants, to be a mutual learner and a supportive friend. And your service is your caring presence there. If you felt a Urge to respond to the biblical admonition to somehow serve the poor on a personal basis, but you don't know how. Um, you don't know where. Um, this is a perfect opportunity for you. Those who have served in the class before and there have been nine previous classes, um they will tell you that it's fun and that you fall in love with these participants. Um, after the service today, if you're interested, I'm gonna ask Greg and Louise if they'd be up front and you could come and talk to them or find me. And then leaving today, you're going to receive a communication that's important. And in this, you will see what God is doing at Orangewood. But as you see it, I want you to ask yourself Is there some place for me to sit at the feet of Jesus? Is there some place for me to serve? In fact, it talks about missions in there. Our missions trip in October still needs people to go there, we don't have enough and we especially need women who are willing to serve the trafficked women and the refugee families there in Athens, Greece. A church cannot be what it's called to be without people serving, but our serving must be empowered by strength gained from being with the Lord, sitting at his feet. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. The truth is, we do live in a busy and a loud world that would absolutely consume us, that would tie our hearts in knots, and that would lead us to nonstop worry and anxiety, maybe even criticism and complaining, maybe even bitterness toward others and even God. Do you get frustrated when others are not active in what you're active in? The noise is overwhelming. And we may feel guilty and weak and we wanna give up. We want to run from issues and people. What is it that can quiet our fears and our anxieties? What is it that can give us strength and peace and encouragement? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. It can cancel out our worries and fears. God's truth is the only thing that will cancel out the noise of this world. Simply put, sitting at the feet of Jesus, trusting, releasing control empowers and strengthens us to serve and not grow weary in doing good. Mary went beyond relationship to trust. Martha is called to release control. May it be so for us. Mar- Martha was distracted. Mary was focused on one thing. Martha opened her home to Jesus. Mary opened her heart. Martha saw Jesus as the recipient of her service. Mary saw Jesus as the giver. And so she sat at his feet. What about you? I invite you to sit at the feet of Jesus daily. Sit. Quietly enough to hear him, long enough to be changed by him and fully invested enough to be motivated and empowered by him. Again, sit quietly enough to hear him long enough to be changed by him and fully invested enough to be motivated and empowered by him for his glory. The change takes time in our lives. King Jesus left his heavenly throne and he gave himself for us to take our place on the cross. He died and he rose from the dead and he's reseated again on that throne. And we are invited with Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus. We have full access. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to hear in our time of need, from Hebrews 4. But few things are needed, and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Choose with Mary. Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we need you and we need to hear you. Father, we need to sit at your feet, and I would pray for us that you would give us the guts to say no to the noise which invades our world. Father, work deeply in our hearts so that we value time at your feet. Let us know in the depths of our being the love that you have for us, and let us have such confidence in that relationship, that we release control for your glory, we pray. Amen. During this last song, I'm going to ask that um, you be praying to the King of Kings. Pray for yourself, pray for our church, pray for a friend, and ponder the great faithfulness of the Lord. Let us sing together.